The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that it is on and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, and we come to you gathered around your word. As we're gathered around your word, O oh God, we long to hear from you. We long to meet with you. We long to be convicted and shaped and molded and drawn close and to know your love and your mercy and your grace. Particularly, God, today I pray that as we come before your word, um, you would speak to us in such a way that we all would seek to follow your Son and to walk with your spirit in this world in a way that would honor you, in a way that would bring glory to your name, and in a way that would be good for your kingdom and good for your world. Help us, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is so good to see all of you this morning, and I am thankful that you are with us for our our worship gathering. If you haven't already, take your Bibles and turn over to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31, uh, where Elizabeth just read for us. Um, we, we at Redeemer are working our way through the book of Exodus. And Exodus is a story of God saving and delivering his people out of bondage in Egypt then Exodus is a story of God giving his covenant, his law, his expectations to his people. And our journey through Exodus has now come to this meeting between Moses and God. And in this journey and in this meeting, God gives to Moses in very great detail the plans for a meeting place of God among his people. This is found in Exodus chapter 24, all the way through Exodus chapter 31. So in those verses, those chapters of the Exodus, the entirety of it, God and Moses are meeting, and God is saying, I will meet with my people. And this is what my meeting place will look like. 
And so last week, we introduced this section by looking at chapter 24. Today, um, we're going to overview the section by looking at chapter 31. And here's the challenge I've given to all of you, and I'll give it again for the next few weeks. Read Exodus 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, as many times as you can, as many times as you can. Read them personally, read them with your family, read them around your dinner table. But let's digest this section of scripture. Let's look at the detail and let's ask the question, why are all these details in this scripture? And so last week we saw the amazing good news is God is revealing himself as a God who meets with his people, who dwells among his people, who brings his people into his presence. Today's passage tells us how God is going to accomplish the building of this meeting place. How is God going to produce a meeting place for him to meet with his people? And here's the answer. For those of you that only want to listen to me for a couple seconds, here's the answer. God will use the labors of his people to build his dwelling place. God will use the labors of his people moved by the power of his spirit to accomplish his work. That's the answer of Exodus 31. God will use the labors of his people empowered by the work of his spirit to accomplish his work. Now, if that just sat in Exodus 31, we could ponder it. But this becomes a biblical theme that moves throughout all of the scripture. The Lord uses his people empowered by his spirit to carry out his work for his kingdom and his work in the world. So, Let's look at this passage together and let's look at how the Lord reveals this to his people. So if you're taking notes this morning, our first hand, our first point is human hands. Human hands. So before we come to Exodus chapter 31 verse 1, you have 6 chapters of God telling Moses exactly how to build the tabernacle exactly how to build his dwelling place among his people. If you read through it this week, you saw fine-tooth comb levels of detail. How's he going to do it? Verse 31, excuse me, chapter 31 tells us he's going to do it through the empowered work of his people. 31, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So the Lord says, I have called by name in, in great 
personal specificity, I have set apart Bezalel. Verse 6. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach of the tribe of Dan. So the Lord says, I have appointed Bezalel and Aholiab. Go home and say that 10 times really fast over lunch. So we might say, ah, the Lord's going to accomplish this work through two specifically gifted people. And that would be a yes and, keep reading, the end of verse 6, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. So how are the people going to build the meeting place of the Lord? The Lord has set apart Bezalel and Aholiab and all the able people. So the Lord's going to do his work through human hands guided by him. Do you see that here? How's he going to guide them? Let's go back to verse 2. Excuse me, verse 3. Speaking again of Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting of stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. So what does the passage say? It says two things. The Lord will use these people through skill that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Lord will use these people through skill that is empowered by the Spirit of God. Verse 3, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, now look up. I don't really, I rarely say this in sermons, but look up from the scripture. When preachers start saying filled with the Spirit, we immediately think very spiritual things are coming, right? But what does this say the Spirit of God is going to move Bezalel to do? To use ability, intelligence, knowledge, and craftsmanship to do everything that God had commanded. So the question is, when filled with the Spirit, what happened? The skills that God had already put in these people were empowered to accomplish exactly what God desired to be accomplished. Doug Stewart in his excellent Exodus commentary says this. In fact, being filled with the Spirit is a biblical idiom for having from God the ability to do or say exactly what God wants done or said. So what's being promised here is that God is going to move these 
artistic, building, craftsman, dare I say, engineering type men to accomplish exactly what he desires. So we could say, and I don't think I'm reading into the passage, that Exodus 31 says that the Spirit of God came on these men to make the totality of who they were useful for God's purposes in the world. Does that seem like a fair reading of that? Now, if this is true, doesn't that very much broaden the way we think of the work of the Spirit among the people of God and for the church of God and in God's world? It broadens it, right? Because again, we talk about the Spirit moves us and we think about prayer, good. We think about turning away from sin, good. We think about conversion, Good. We think about the word of God being taught. Good. We think about people writing books that are useful for the church. Good. But this is much broader, isn't it? It's talking about a whole host of skill sets empowered to glorify God and further his kingdom and accomplish his purposes. The Spirit of God is moving these men and moving these people to make sure that a massive, beautiful tent is constructed in an exact way that displays the holy meeting place of God among his people in a way that teaches his people who God is. The artistry and the skill And the hands and the plans matter to the work of God. That's what this is shouting. Do we see that in this passage? So now here's the key question. Is this a isolated Old Testament incident? Or does the Spirit of God still empower the totality of the people of God in all realms to honor and glorify God in all? It's an important question, right? Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but I just want to submit to you that the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at the end of verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. So now, if we stop there, you're like, oh, well, that sounds very different than Exodus 31, right? We're going to keep reading. Then gifts of healing. Okay, that that sounds, you know, that's very spiritual. Or is it? Helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prophets? 
Excuse me, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? What's Paul arguing? He's arguing that the Spirit of God, who, by the way, in the New Testament, doesn't empower and move on people temporarily for a task, but dwells forever within all believers, moves believers to carry out and be empowered in the living out of the skill that God has put in them for apostle, prophet, teacher, miracle, healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Do you see what Paul's saying? All of who we are, empowered by the Spirit, is useful for the building of the kingdom. And what we all need, because all humans have skill from God, All skill comes from God. So what we're all eager for is for the Spirit of God to empower us to accomplish things that honor him in all realms of life. I think what we see in Exodus 31 is not an isolated incident, but it becomes a theme that runs throughout all the Scripture, that God's people empowered by the Spirit of God are how God carries out his purposes in the world. Now, listen, if you do art, this doesn't mean that all art has to become a Thomas Kincaid project. Amen. <laughs> and if you build things, that doesn't mean that the Spirit will only help you if you put a cross on the outside of it. And it doesn't mean that the Lord only cares about our gifts when we use them at the church. But it means that people whom the Lord has redeemed, in whom his spirit dwells, he will use to accomplish things that are good for the world and good for the kingdom and glorifying to his name, and his spirit will be with you in that. Now, I'm not speaking directly from the scripture and the things I'm going to say in the next couple of minutes, but I, I, I'm not an artistic person. You guys are like, oh yeah, please don't do art, Jamie. Stay out of it. Ken's like, don't even touch it, right? I can feel you, Ken. But here's what I think, I, th- I was thinking about this this week and praying about this. Like, like every project, a paper, art, building, writing, a sermon, a math exam, an Excel spreadsheet, every project comes to a point of crisis where it feels like the whole thing's just going to crumble and fall apart. Like, where do I go from here? What if we as the people of God are the ones who look to the Lord and say, guide me in truth, guide me in wisdom, guide me in order, guide me in beauty, guide me in what honors you. I'll swing a hammer in a way that glorifies you as the creator of all things. The Lord accomplishes accomplishes his purpose through human hands empowered by his spirit. I just call on us to believe that, particularly those of us who aren't wired in the, the areas that the church normally exalts, theologians, writers, thinkers. Those guys definitely need the spirit, and gals definitely need the spirit. 
But the rest of us, the Lord just hasn't left us to figure it out ourselves. His spirit dwells within us to shape all of who we are for his purposes and honoring his name. I would just call upon us to believe that. What might this tent building project have looked like if the Spirit didn't guide them? If you want to know that, right now, LJ and Austin are out there putting together a a 1,500-square-foot tent for tonight. And I'm just promising you, there's no Bezalel or Aholiab down there in the yard. So if you want to see what the project might look like, Pop down there after the service. Please don't leave now. I know that's humorous, but let's not. But seriously, the Spirit inspired the people with the skill that the Lord had given to accomplish His purposes. There's a lot of conversations we could have about that, but I believe the Lord wants us to lean into that conversation and ask Him to shape it. But that really pushes to a second question that leads to the second point. Why does all the detail matter? Why does all the detail matter? Verse six, they're going to do all that I have commanded. And just in case you forgot, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, the pure lampstand, and with its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons for their service as priest, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all I have commanded you, they shall do. If you see anything here, the Lord's very concerned that all the detail be accomplished in great detail. And we might say, why? And so the second point is heavenly picture. Heavenly picture. Exodus simply tells us this. God is concerned about all the details of his dwelling place among his people. We get five chapters of detail. Then we get a break. I'm sorry, six chapters of detail. Then a break. Then when they actually go to build it, we get all the detail repeated again. Why the repetition? Because it matters. Why does it matter? Because the Lord is teaching his people how to approach him. The Lord's teaching his people about his holiness and his character and his nature. And so it matters that the meeting place is built in such a way that it teaches these things. I think that's a fair and logical takeaway from Exodus 31. But I don't want you to take my word for it when God actually tells us that very thing. So turn over to Hebrews chapter 9.
So we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. Now, even the first covenant, that's speaking of what we just got in Exodus, had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, this should sound familiar, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence, it's called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was the second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. So the author of Hebrews is clearly talking about this tabernacle, this dwelling place. Now jump over to verse 23. What was it about this dwelling place? Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. Now you notice what he just said about the tabernacle? What was it? Copies of the heavenly things. Do you see what he's saying? I built a tabernacle with great specificity and great detail because it was intended to be a representation, an earthly representation, a copy of the heavenly dwelling place of God. So the detail mattered because in the detail, God was giving his people a clear teaching expression of what it looked like for his people to approach his holy presence. So the details mattered because the Lord was picturing something real and something true that was intended to teach the people about God and about worship. So the craftsmanship and the skill and the inspiration of the Spirit to accomplish the work of the Lord was done to accurately picture for the people what God was revealing about himself and his character and his worship. But not only that, The details mattered because the tabernacle was intended to prepare the people for the coming Son of God. We're going to keep reading. Verse 23. But the heavenly things themselves, I'm sorry, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. What rites? The sprinkling of blood. The sacrifices. Well, what was the purpose of all that? The heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. 
nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have, would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Do you hear what the author of Hebrews is saying? Not only did this earthly tabernacle picture God's dwelling place, but the rituals about entering the tabernacle were intended to communicate to the people the weightiness of coming into the presence of a holy God and to prepare the people for the Christ who would take away that weight, who would take away that weightiness through his own blood. So for us, Jesus is the yes and amen. Jesus is the thank the Lord. But this tabernacle was built to prepare people to see the need of a savior. This tabernacle was built to prepare the people to see the need for a sacrifice that would last forever. And what Hebrews 9 shouts for us is, Christ is our sacrifice. And Christ has not entered the earthly copy on our behalf, but he's entered the eternal home forever on our behalf. So if we're here as Christians, as those who profess to believe in Christ and profess to have our sins covered by Christ and profess to belong to the family of God because of Christ, then what Hebrews 9 is telling us is this tabernacle is a picture of what Christ has built for us. We come into the presence of God, forgiven, accepted, and loved through Christ. We're accepted worshipers because of Christ. Our prayers are heard because of Christ. There is hope for us because Christ is in the holy place now, interceding for us because of his sacrificial offering on our behalf. Let this stir us to worship and stir us to praise and stir us to joy in him. And if you're here today, not a follower of Jesus, but just maybe wondering what does all this mean? How does all this fit together? Why do I need Christ? What this tabernacle tells us is God is real. God has a dwelling place. And sinful people, without a Savior, we're outside the tent. There's no way to come in. Except God's Son came, lived, died, rose again. So that we could be welcomed into God's presence and God's blessing and God's hope forevermore. I would just ask you to consider this today. Would you consider that Jesus is the answer to all of the brokenness and the hurt and the rebellion and the pain and the sin that's all around? And would you look to him? 
If you would like to know more about this Christ, just through those double doors to the left is a table. On that table, resources for people of all ages that would point you to Jesus. Please take them. A Bible so that you could take it and read these stories. One of our staff people is standing there. They would love to talk to you, pray with you, encourage you, point you toward Christ.